2: Hello oh, and welcome to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. Hey! hey! It just gets more harmonious every week, I love it. Um, it's pod 393 and it's the pod where we're going to review palaces two all draw at West Ham United. Uh, joining us this week, Kevin Day. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, Good. lovely. Good to have you on, as ever. Um, also here, Jesse Boyce. Hello to you, sir.
3: Hello, JD. I feel like she'll be dressed in yellow today for deadline day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are famously, uh, like FYP, uh, recording, doing a pod that's going to be out of date within a couple of hours, which is very much our style. Uh, but it is deadline day. We'll be talking about potential Palace transactivity later on in the podcast as well. Joining us, our fourth panelist today. She's the founder of the Proud and um, Palace, uh, and it's lovely to have her here. Uh, please welcome Steph Fuller. Hello to you. Hi, Kim, How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you?
4: Yeah, really good. I'm just thinking about Jesse's comments about yellow there, and I've got no yellow going on here, but I reckon you must have a yellow shirt. up In the background there somewhere in your kind of
2: plethora of
4: eBay addiction (laughs) shirts.
2: (laughs) Uh, I've got a Columbia shirt there. Um, I've got couple of palace yellow ones there so yes i've got every color every color covered this is great radio (laughs) (laughs) it is great radio uh right okay so before we crack on with uh reviewing that west ham game uh, can i get a drum roll for a random patron please it's Charlotte. nice
5: Oh, hello,
2: Charlotte. Hello, Charlotte. Uh, Thank you very much for joining our patron. You can get all the rewards like Charlotte does, uh, including post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. You can also get 20% off our new line of merchandise. Um, Literally any patron that joins up gets that immediately. Uh, But anyone can buy the merchandise um, for full price at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP-podcast, including a new range of 2010 t-shirts that a couple of players from the 10 to 10 team have requested you'll be seeing those on social media very soon um also uh, our live podcast our second live podcast much delayed live podcast we were supposed to do last summer is now uh, available to buy tickets for just patrons uh, tickets are 10 pounds available to patrons now to so be patron check your patron feed and they'll go on sale to uh, the general public soon after that We've already sold a third of the venue, so be oh. quick
5: if you're a patron. Is it going to be a post live podcast podcast for the patrons?
2: Oh, I don't know. Uh, it depends how late you want to be there.
5: Okay. I, know I hung around after the game on Saturday, thinking I might get a phone call to do the post match pod, but nothing. Uh, it's Rob that runs it. So yeah, yeah but I yeah. Are yeah, you at oh, the game? You
2: did tell me that actually. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Oh, well. it's the only reason I told you is I thought I might get an invite. You, to, you, know, so could, you so can't be say, subtle. You can't be so subtle. So I can say I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, another, um, I've just got the date wrong on the. oh I'll do that, yeah. uh, Another bit of admin uh, the first FYP fanzine, Hockwood fanzine, uh, in collaboration with One More Point is out on the 11th of September against Spurs as well. So keep an eye out for that as well. Chris is Chris Lehman, who used to run at one more point, is working on that right now. We're working very hard on that. So keep an eye out on that as well. Our own Jesse Boyce will be designing that, of course, as well. So uh, Jesse, yeah, it's going to be an exciting one.
3: It will be. It's been the first one for a couple of years, I guess. And um, yeah, it's been great working with Chris. I think he's, he's really taking the ball by the horns of the content and it's going to be action-packed 48-pager or something like that. Um, but maybe a little appeal for any pictures we don't have access to any match day photography anymore so we need submissions so if anyone's got any good pictures from
2: uh,
3: West Ham Brentford Chelsea send them along
2: yes uh, do send those to us contact at Uh high res please and we'll put them in and credit you of course oh and Kevin got a question from Chris actually he said has Kevin had his pay grade raised since the last pod and decided on the name of the collab for the fanzine yeah <laughs> Any, any progress?
5: <laughs> no. no.
2: <laughs> okay, good. No, I oh, we,
5: we, we tried to have the discussion about the pay grade, but we decided it was nil when you said it was staying at nil. So. Indeed, and that's how I run this podcast. <laughs> and don't
2: you forget it. Uh, right, let's move on to uh, West Ham to Palace 2. A, a well-earned point against what were the league leaders as well. Um, Steph, we've had a lot of questions about, I'm sure you can guess one player in particular, Connor Gallagher, who has been a uh, I mean, already the star of Palace this season. Um, well, first of all, give me your thoughts on the game and Gallagher, and then I'll read out some questions later.
4: No, no, I mean, it, it's hard to give you thoughts on the game without talking about Gallagher straight away, but I will try. Um, I felt it was a really, quite apart from the result, I felt that the way the second half turned just felt like, even even if we had come away with, say, a narrow defeat, that that second half performance would have left me feeling Vieira is definitely on something there is something is happening here in terms of a belief within the way that we want to play and the kind of way we have kind of grew into the game really and so so I think overall even if we just look at Gallagher just the, the the performance there is just so much to be taken positively from that performance and you know, from comparing it to the first away game of the season with Chelsea, which is obviously, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, really, it's not long, um, where we didn't have Anderson on the pitch, we didn't have Gallagher and it was, we were playing the Champions of Europe and we could barely get our own half. Um, straight away, there's a big difference in just the whole way that we were setting up and we could still see what some of our shortcomings are and they haven't really gone away because of a two-all draw, um, but there was just so much from a collective performance there that to really take confidence in. So I was quite even going into the final few minutes where it looked like we might win it. I was sort of feeling quite pragmatic that even if something conspired against us and we narrowly lost, there are a load of positives from the game. And of course, Conor Gallagher is definitely one of those huge positives in terms of his energy and his movement. Um, But I think, The whole team went with that as well. It wasn't. It wasn't just about him. You know, the kind of aggression of our play. Suddenly, it just. It was just like if if Palace were on volume, say during the game. I'd say for about fifty-five minutes, we were on about seven, and then somebody turned it up to ten for the last sort of half an hour, and they just were. The volume of the
2: Palace's play was just went up significantly, and it was great. I think I'm going to use that as the title of the podcast. Just we turned up to ten. I thought it might go to eleven, but we'll go ten for. I was going to.
4: I was going to go for the eleven because, as we well know. <laughs> Not every amp goes up to 11, but, you know, some bands do. <laughs>
2: um, Kevin, Seth makes a good point there because obviously we did talk after the Chelsea game and, and we knew there were players to come in. We saw a bit of Anderson in that game. We knew Gallagher was missing. And I think we all hoped that we would see some sort of progress from that. And clearly th- those players coming into the team, Gallagher in particular, has obviously helped us progress. But I think as well, that half-time on Saturday and I know we don't, we try to avoid hyperbole as much as possible, but we know the pressures in the Premier League. That half-time was already a bit of a moment for Vieira, really, in terms of can we see him make a change? Can we see him, you know, try and implement what he wants to do? Can we see him ground out a result? And I think it's fair to say that we saw a little bit of of what Vieira is trying to do there. Did it make you feel positive?
5: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, The first half was poor, there's no doubt about it, but I didn't think it was disastrously poor, the way some people around me clearly thought it was. I thought, you know, there was a disconnect, as there was in the Brentford game, between the defence, the midfield, and the and the attack. We looked feeble up front. But even allowing for the fact we weren't brilliant, I, I was still surprised when West Ham scored, to be honest. I thought we looked disciplined and organised enough. Um, and then Vieira did something at half time that Hodgson wouldn't have done. And couldn't have done. And it was quite a simple, positive move. He just pushed Gallagher 10 yards further up the pitch, closer to Benteke, which meant the whole team pretty much moved 10 yards up the pitch. So when we were winning the ball, we were winning it, virtually going straight onto attack when we won the ball further up. Hodgson wouldn't have made that change because psychologically it wouldn't have been in his mindset until we were 2-0 down. And to be fair to him, he couldn't have done because he wouldn't have had the personnel to do it he's not had a player like Gallagher that he's been able to make that change with but it made a big difference I think Steph's quite right there are still issues I think we need to check the label to make sure we've got the right Anderson because I didn't think he was brilliant for the whole game to be perfectly honest but in that just in that simple tactical change and in our second half performance we saw a glimpse of the brave new world that we've all been looking for and and Gallagher couldn't have been better after the game as well. He just comes across this little South London white boy. That we've all we've all got kids like him in our Sunday league to I me, mean, or we used to, just a little flash cocky kid who wants the ball and thinks he's better than everybody else, and I'm all for it. He just bought an energy and also I mean that second goal, it probably won't win goal of the month. It should. And it's a cliche to say if it was a goal scored by Man City or Man United it would. But it was twelve passes before it got to him. And the thing, and bear in mind we just conceded the second goal. It was almost literally from the kick off, 12 passes across the cross field, six or seven players, and an absolutely brilliant finish. And that's again something we would just not have seen in, in six seven seasons gone by. So yeah, you couldn't help but come away feeling quite, quite yeah, quite excited, even more so than positive. Jeff, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um, one of our listeners Ed Hunter Baines has made that exact point there Kevin why are people playing down pundits managers <laughs> Selzy <laughs> poor Selzy can't get away with it um, playing down Connor's second goal is a defensive mistake when he did a Cruyff turn and scored the move is so good it's named after one of the best players to play the game that was a lovely goal I mean Jesse we're obviously we're all getting on the Gallagher train and why not because we haven't had a player with his kind of energy in the middle of the field for a while and, and goal scoring stats um, we've got to be careful though not to get sort of too carried away he's only one player and there are other players in the team and especially there's other areas that need to improve as well so we're going to be careful aren't we? we're getting sort of too carried away with the Gallagher love yeah I think there's just such a there was such
0: trepidation about which way this was going to go it's just a slight relief to see
3: us get goals and points but you know West Ham were top of the league before that game had an amazing start all the ascendancy and I think we feared what might happen so it was just great to to kind of confound what people thought we were going to get out of that game. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's 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 easy to get carried away when he scores a brace and with a little bit of style. But I just think what was the most pleasing thing about him was just his intent. You know, it, it came across in his interview as Kevin's alluded to that he's been told to just get himself in those situations and just be reactive. And we've been missing that for so long. The most we've had in a player close to that was when. A.U. had his standout season where he was just everything was falling for him and he was putting things away. And we knew that that was a bit of a one off. It was very uncharacteristic for him that season. And I don't know where we would have been without it. But it's just great to see him as a midfielder really just getting on the end of things and being reactive and making things happen. And even the first goal, uh, from what I remember, it started off with a gay pass into... Yeah. Uh, somebody, then he continues his intent, he mm. was in the box, he was at the back post if Gallagher's shot wasn't wasn't going to trickle in, he was there to, to put it in, and Wardy was in the box as well, mm. for, for one of those goals, so it's just great to see players getting in the box, um, how often have we just been seen a lone figure in there that's just not on the end of things so that's where those, otherwise it would have been 2-0 to West Ham, without that kind of real proactive Energy in the in the box in and around those moments, it would have been a familiar scoreline to us. So, I was really pleased just to see that. And I feel like Gallagher had something he has something Gareth Bale about him. I just think he's, he's swashbuckling, and he's just really, he just he's just got so much energy and impetus. I think we're going to do well out of him if he just continues playing that way for us. so that's really good, great to see, and hope that it doesn't fizzle out too soon. Have you really just keeps going from here?
5: It was, it was interesting to hear Vieira afterwards say that the first half we played with the handbrakes on, because you wonder whether that was his strategy or it seemed to me that he was implying that it was the players that kind of did that and that he had to remind them at half-time to, to get a little bit further forward and and comparing Gallagher, the closest comparison I can make to Gallagher, and only in two games, is Attilio Lombardo, just a player with that energy, wow. No, serious, I mean just a player with that that energy, but also that composure on the ball as well, just not only able to tackle, but able to hold the ball, pick out, a ball. his stats were amazing you see his stats yeah. afterwards, I mean, yeah. our, I mean our stats were brilliant to be perfectly honest but his stats were were fantastic and of course the big problem is you, you kind of don't want him to play like that every game because there's no chance we can afford him at the end of the season but for the moment I I don't see why we can't get carried away, we've got an international break, sod it we've got a really good young player, let's celebrate him he's only 21, let's celebrate him while, we, while we've got him and again he looks like he belongs at Palace as well. He just got that little bit of sort of swagger about him. He looks like a palace player. And you can see the other players really respond to him as well. <laughs> he's got long hair and no, we, we f- do care. <laughs> oh and I go. There
2: we go. You can have that one for free, everyone. Um yeah, he's yeah, I I guess as well, Steph, I mean there were there. Kevin alluded to it, possibly a couple of question marks about Anderson at the weekend. Dean covered himself in glory for the West Ham second goal, sort of letting the ball sort of, ball fall, of fall on his back. I guess all first, really. Maybe the same for everyone in the defence there. So th- there's going to be time. We're going to have to, as fans, give the team time to obviously progress and I do think Gallagher's energy I think is something that will seep into the rest of the team we we did see the team play slightly further forward second half and Wilf came into the game as well and you hope that is something Mm. that will resonate throughout the team but we're still going to have to give them time aren't we we saw intent on Saturday we saw great fight back but this doesn't mean that we've suddenly got to a place where Vieira is happy I think as fans we're going to have to at least still give them time for these new players and ideas to bed in
4: Completely. And I think that, I mean, one of the things that was really apparent to me towards the end of the game actually is how much effect the way we played had affected the West Ham players. So I was in the lower tier. uh, So, you, you know, inverted commas, close to the play. as as close (laughs) as you can be at the London Stadium. And I can assure you, um, Declan Rice was breathing out of his backside by the end of that game. He was hanging on. Mm. And he'd been pretty much worked over by MacArthur and um, by Conor Gallagher during that second half because they're just taking him into parts of the pitch where he didn't want to be. And it was like every 50-50 ball you knew it. we were turning it into a 60-40 ball of palace, really. There was just so much energy and it came through then. I almost feel like the moment that things really clicked actually was when Wilf went through and blazed over the bar and he was really sort of frustrated with himself because maybe he took it too early and he could have gone a bit further. And it seemed like everything suddenly stepped up a notch from then. I do agree a bit about Anderson, although I do think that's a little bit unfair because... The, the Antonio goal just is, is a lucky bounce. You know, it comes off his shoulder. If it goes anywhere else, he's probably not going to get it. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, you know, it, it's one bounce. It's hits it first time and it's past Gaeta and he's near post. And you could, if you're going to be really critical, you say, well, he shouldn't be beaten on his near post, but he did not fit it, to be fair. <laughs> um, and I, I think that we will have those moments, but maybe there's a balance to it because in the same way that when you've got Gaeta, coming out with the ball and then joining in with the attack and giving us extra bodies. If we're getting ball playing center back, sometimes you could, unless it's like Maldini and they can defend and actually do all of that. We're probably going to have, there's going to be some flaws here and there. And I guess what would seem to work a bit better in the second half. And and this maybe alludes to where things weren't going quite so well. Coyote was a bit all over the place at times. I think everybody would say that, but he did, he was, I'm not saying he was great, but he was a hundred percent better in the last half hour of the game than he was mm-hmm. in the first sixty minutes. It was like his in game transformation of performance was quite remarkable, really, and partly I think that is because he just allows you know Gay to bring the ball out or Anderson just drops back in and gives us that that space and I think you know we're going to have to allow for those things to come. There will be mistakes. we are going to give up chances that we would probably rather not, but like Kevin said. Until West Ham, when West Ham scored, it almost surprised me because we were actually very comfortable in that first half. They were playing where we wanted them to play. Mm. You know, that says control to me, like Vieira's plans starting to work.
5: We're definitely going to have to get used to Gary because there's a couple of heart attacks. That moment where he carried the ball from the edge of our box to the edge of theirs and then decided to stay there, it's like we, it's like the first bit's great because you could just bugger off back. It's like seeing Scott Dan carry the ball forward and think, I oh, quite like it up here. I'll just take it. It's like, no, he's covered. He's all right, but he's still a centre-back. He's just lowering about. I think, oh, I like it up here. So we will. there's a lot we're going to have to get used to. I mean, it's a yeah. very... Oddly enough, the team at Stamford Bridge... Only had one new player in it from from last season, basically. So, yeah, and and I think against Tottenham, we'll see Hughes come in. Whoever we sign as a striker, will, arguably will start. So, you know, it's only only in our fourth game that we've got five or six new players. But they all they're all better players.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's also yeah, a lot.
5: Yeah, they're, they're simply our better players. And it's it's as a mate of mindset. So if you want to be pessimistic, if Allardyce does have to come in and do an emergency job. Oh. He'll be, be doing it with better players. Come on now. Come oh, no, on, let's try and not say yeah, his name. No, that, that, that's mean, that. the mindset. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, this, all these pundits still talking about how struggling this season. But you kind of think, well, that's counterintuitive because we've got five or six better players mm-hmm. than we had this time last season and two seasons ago.
2: And also, all those things you're talking about, there are things we've asked for as fans over the last yeah. couple of years. Now they're happening, we're going to have to sort of get, get used to the fact they are happening. In that vein, we've got a question from Sai. Oh, and Kevin I'm going to put this to you completely randomly honestly it's not not influenced by the question at all but he says now that we've employed a progressive thinking modern manager how will us older Palace fans who are not used to this sexy football cope how oh, dare you you
5: phone on our end. younger than me as well I think we will all have to get used to it. Anybody who's been watching Palace regularly in the last, well, since we were in the Premier League, really, we've 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 come to accept that there's a, there's a certain way of staying up. And I'm as guilty as that as, as many other people. I was when Hodgson was staying or going, depending on who you believed. I was one of those people who said, "Careful what you wish for." So I was one of those people who said, "No, you've got a formula for staying up. Stick to it." But with hindsight, I think we've become stagnant rather than safe. So the the move, the change had to happen, and I was uh, ambivalent. But that second half went a long way to to changing my mind because, yeah, Steph said as well. West Ham suddenly everybody's second favourite team mm-hmm. scored four goals. Uh, you yeah, know, battered Leicester in ten men Leicester or not, they were battering him beforehand. They battered Newcastle, and they they didn't do that to us. And yeah, they they said, well, we're tired, blah blah blah. But that's partly due to the way we we played, and in the end, they were the team that was. That was hanging on, so there was some stuff, But yeah, it does take a little bit of getting used to, to be perfectly honest, and it and it and it will do. But I, I'm, I'm still getting used to. 23 on the shirt 67 that's not quite right Goalkeepers in gloves Sometimes still Catch me by surprise Do you know every what now, also Every now and again I'm just saying Give it back to the keeper Why is, why is the keeper <laughs> Not picking it up What's the matter with him <laughs> Why are there nets In this goal <laughs> 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 you know, Referee's also... very short so Why is the referee <laughs> Not got a suit on <laughs> Why are the fans Not got flat caps What's happening um,
2: Do you know what also Takes some getting used to Kevin And that is a smooth Transition from part 1 To part 2 do a quick break now And
0: we'll see you After this
2: Hey. Hey. It's part two, and this week we are sponsored, of course, by The Athletic, bringing you every football story that matters. The Athletic is home to the best collection of football reporters, storytellers, and analysis in the world. From breaking club news to exclusive interviews, all oh, that rhymes to brilliant features and tactical analysis. The Athletic is football news you can trust and football writing you can feel. Get all access uh, to exclusive stories ad free, and if you go to theathletic.com/fyp, that's theathletic.com/fyp you can get 50% off your annual subscription. That's just 30 quid for the year for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action. Uh, And this week's article doing just that by Matt Wisdom is Palace have found some focus and attack, but must still strengthen up front, Um, which obviously is talking about Palace's potential transfer activity today. Deadline day, 31st of August. Um, So by the time this pod comes out, we might have a new striker. We might not. But anyway, I'm going to read a clip from Matt's article now and then ask you guys some questions about it. So here we go. Matt says, Palace were indebted to one of their summer signings in Gallagher to earn them a point at West Ham, and he was also their best and most attacking player last week against Brentford, and that in itself is slightly concerning. The club will attempt to recruit at least one more player before the window closes on Tuesday night, with Arsenal's Eddie Nketiah, Real Madrid's Borja Mon Royale, probably got that wrong, and Cedric's odson Eduard all under consideration. Will Hughes has arrived in midfield, and a winger is a possibility too. That ought to help, particularly with the intention of playing in behind defences, something that was trialled in pre-season with under-23 striker Rob Street on the left of a front three in order to assist Mainz' low-knee Jean-Philippe Mateta. Up front, Benteke needs competition and that's not coming from Mateta, while well, Palace would benefit from a striker who offers something different. Before we talk about Edouard and reports this afternoon at half-past one uh, that Palace are very close to confirming him. Um, Steph, you, you follow German football, so you know a bit about Mateta um, it sounds like Palace are potentially maybe sort of giving up and moving moving on from him. What are your thoughts as someone that saw quite a lot of him before he did join? Yeah, I was,
4: I was really surprised that Palace signed him at all. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there should be a big caution with Bayer beware on players from the Bundesliga. Because unless they're coming from, you know, Dortmund, uh, Leipzig or from Bayern and, you know, and they're a star performer. There will be, there should be sort of very justifiable questions about the ability of the players to kind of cut it in the Premier League. And, you know, the lower part of the Bundesliga is is not good. It's really not good. I mean, I, I am <laughs> unfortunately full of Verde Bremen. In, in the Bundesliga who got relegated to uh, obviously keeping up my sort of palace credential got relegated last season uh, to Bundesliga too, which is full of teams like Hamburg and Schalke and Fortuna, Düsseldorf and people like that are all, all in Bundesliga two now. And there's a lot of very poor players in the bottom half of that league. And you see a lot of players that don't make it in the premier league reappear regularly uh, in the Bundesliga. And Mateta is, He's one of those. I I never once watched Mateta and thought there's a player that we're going to see in the Premier League at some point in the future at all. Um, So I was really surprised that we signed him. And I think in a way, a bit of an indicator is, and sorry to kind of bring up bad memories for a lot of people, and there are still Palace fans that hold a candle, is Max Meyer. So, So Max Meyer went back to the Bundesliga last season to Cologne. And I think Cologne gave him two full games before they realised and Cologne were fighting a relegation battle trying to stay up and uh, they eventually stuck him back on the bench and barely played him again and released him at the end of the season. He's now without a club and You know, that's that's kind of what happens if players can really shine in that league. But then they come here and it's really, really different. And unfortunately, I just think Mateta is going to be one of them. You know, I'm quite curious to see how Josh Sargent from Bremen, who Norwich have just spent nine million euros on, gets on because he was he's the reason that Bremen went down, to be quite honest with me. He's one of them. He didn't score any goals and he's a striker. Uh, I mean, it was a particularly negative team, but so I think, yeah, I'm not surprised by um, Mateta struggling, and
2: I don't think he'll be the answer. And I'm sure he'll be back in Germany fairly soon. Well, speaking of a player that uh, well did quite well in a crap league, but now joining Palace, uh, Jesse Edson, sorry, Odson Edouard. I keep getting those letters wrong around. um, Sounds like he's joining Palace. I mean, would a striker have been top of your wish list? And do you think this guy is the guy to to do that?
3: I think there's a small vindication here for Rob Sutherland for calling to see more of Miss Mateta at the end of last season when we were safe. And we might have known this a bit earlier and made more steadfast plans this summer because Vieira's come in late and it's kind of stuck with him as things stand. So um that's probably not ideal. Yes, we've we've been we've been always scratching our for strikers. I mean we had Meteta, Benteke, and Bachwire last year. So we're already a striker down. Um, And all we're doing is replacing someone. This is not an addition. If Edouard comes, this is replacing Bachwire on the the last day of the window, which, you know, we probably can do better than that, ideally. It's such an important role for this team. Um, I think what was great to see at West Ham was service for Benteke. Like he had two or three headers coming from. Gallagher's great set pieces. I think Anderson found him with a cross. Gallagher found Gay for that last chance ahead of this. Some good service coming into there right now, which we'll hope Patek will take advantage of. So just need that final piece of the puzzle to give us a chance of a relatively secure season. So let's hope this comes off today. Um, it, it, looks, it looks likely, so that that will be a relief. But as I say, it's just a replacement for what we've lost. This is not a luxury Um, transaction at all.
2: Kevin, can can I get your thoughts, but can I do that with a pun, uh, if possible, from Mike Mike Benz, who says, are we now odds on favourites? And to be fair, he does then say, sorry, I'll get my coat, which is probably fair.
5: Yeah, it's just a pun, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you, remember you're you're more easily pleased now because you laughed at the fact that there's two words that rhymed in your introduction
2: <laughs> it, mate honestly when you're easily pleased life is a lot easier a lot happier
5: i'm sure it is i wish i wish i knew that it would be lovely to wake up in your shoes sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I've heard, heard that's happened actually but <laughs> <another story. laughs> and if Miranda go what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, hello Mateta was really interesting because when we signed him and I think it was a 22 month contract wasn't it everyone around the club was blatantly honest about the fact that he would take a year before he was ready to play mm. for us and whether that meant they didn't think he was good enough or, yeah, or physically strong enough I, I don't know. He it, it seems to me there's a player in there. I thought Ben in the second half was much happier all round because he was happier to come deep, knowing that Conor Gallagher was going ahead of him. So because there have been games when he comes deep to pick up the ball and well, he's got to do something with it, which we've asked him to do. But this time it was it was much easier. oddson Edward's a player that Hodgson was interested in, so it's not. I, I, I don't think this is typical last minute Palace looking for someone. But I'd be interested to see where he thinks. He's going to play whether he's the competition for Benteke. He's more versatile than other strikers. I and mean, he's got two good feet for a start-off. He can probably play wide as well. But the only thing I say is my cousins who support Celtic are really unhappy to see him go. But there's always that. And I hate to say it because you you, you don't get angrier tweets than the tweets you get from, from Scottish football fans. But everything uh, Steph said about the Bundesliga... Stands for Scottish football as well. It's it's there was a time twenty thirty years ago when every Premier League team, every first division team, had three four Scottish players because Scottish football at the time was was fantastic. It was well funded, it, it was well run. The, the national team was good, but now, now you're, you're taking a lot on. There's a huge step up, even between Celtic and Rangers, from the Scottish Premier League to the to our Premier League, um, and I don't mean that with any Disrespect, I love Scottish football, Hibs and Celtic in particular, as you can probably tell by the name Kevin, but it's, it, it is a big difference, and I, I think that's reflected in the price tag as well, really, and it's, we needed somebody up front, And but again, like Jesse says, that often happens, we, go, well, we need somebody up front, he's somebody, get him in, but I, I don't think... If we get him in, I don't think he'll be one that's. Will Hughes will almost certainly start against Spurs and Edward will be on the bench. But I would. my guess is that Elise would probably start when he's fit before uh, Edward does. Because we you forget, don't forget, we've got Eze and Elise to come back as well, who are versatile enough to play in a front three as well as midfield. But, yeah, we need to cover. The one position we do, and I thought Wardy had a really good game on, on Saturday, even in the first half when the back four was floundering a little bit there, I thought Wardy was good. But we need, we really need cover at right back. We're desperately sure of cover at right back. Ferguson is it's clearly a good player, but oh, gee, we, we, you know, we're not going to see him this side of Christmas, and he's probably not going to be fit enough to play for the, the rest of the season. We arguably need cover at the left-back as well. I'm not sure Hannon's the answer to to the cover at left-back, but you know, all footballers would rather see on transfer deadline day, you'd rather see Harry Redknapp in a car coming out of a training ground talking about a striker than full-backs. You're much more excited than... um, But yeah, I I do think we need cover at at left-back and right-back. But I would be happy if if Edward comes in also.
2: Yeah, well, it's nearly quarter to two now. Um, I don't know when the window
5: like midnight, 11,
2: midnight is it? Okay,
5: eleven. Um, 11, I think it 11. Yeah, I but you got to you, you got to midnight if your fax machines look because for some reason they still do it by fax. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't uh, fax it to a local kebab shop as well, yeah. like Palace did one. I thought then. it was only Palace that did it by fax, but it turns out the rest of the, <laughs> the football does it by fax. It? his visions of Terry byfield desperately pushing buttons. <laughs> I've Jeez. got it
2: wrong again. <laughs> five to twelve. <laughs> what's that beeping mean what's happening um yeah so but steph how would we feel if um edward is the only person then that comes in obviously kevin pointed out a few areas there but if if, it, if he's the only one to come in for the rest of today added to the other transfers we made this window is that a good window um, i mean yeah it is a good
4: window definitely i think already it's a good window um you know we we, we haven't seen a list say realistically most none of us have ever seen Eze in the flesh um you know that that's going to be like a new signing when he comes back in i think there is some there may be one player that graduates from the academy up into the squad and makes an impact this season as well um so i think you know if um does come in it's a it's been a, a really good window i would given the choice of having, say, another striker or another winger come in, I'd still prefer to have another striker. um, Because I think that one of the things I really noticed from Saturday's game was that we, I don't think it mattered so much that we didn't have out-and-out wingers because we just played really to the whip for the pitch to kind of like some of Anderson's Crossfield balls were like right the way to the very edge of the touchline and it was one pass back in play and we were, we were looking for passes into space rather than wingers carrying a ball in mm. to kind of cut across and what have you. So I think we could live without adding another winger but I think I would just like us to have a, a really mobile um, striker You know, someone who I feel is really going to be sniffing around that sort of six-yard box, who's just going to pop in sort of, you know, scrappy goals that we just don't score very often at the moment, apart from the weekend, the first one. Um, And seeing that would be good. And I share Kevin's concerns, actually, just about the 2 fullback positions, because I wonder if we're ever going to see Ferguson. You know, we haven't seen him at all yet. And are we ever going to see him? And, you know, I think it's a big ask for... Hanum to step up as cover and on the other fullback spot as well into the Premier League. In the same way that it's hard for, you know, for players to come from other leagues into the Premier League and just immediately make that breakthrough. Yeah. So if I think if we could bring in a fullback, I'd probably that would be good or another striker, but I'd be less worried about wingers because Elise can play out there as well. And as we know can go out wide, Slup can play out wide when he needs to. So we've got people that can do that. Um but yeah, I think to answer your question, I'd say it's been
5: also, a really uh, good wing, uh,
4: window.
5: Je- Jesse will remember this because, uh, of course, everybody's sharing the eight minute video of Edward's brilliant skill moments yesterday. But I distinctly remember when we talked about Sawlot's brilliant <laughs> eight minute video of the chess <laughs> show. On this pod, we have going, this is this. Boy, he's brilliant. I mean, his his eight-minute highlight video was just outstanding. It was fantastic, and then didn't quite work for him. But yeah, it's, it's, it's again, yeah, it, it clearly is a useful player. But it's it it's interesting when you you notice there aren't that many other clubs desperate to sign him. Is the other is the other thing. It's just, it's the same with you know Sky try and create more interest in Enkety as well by saying Palace in a three-way battle. With Man City and Man United, and no, no, they're not. <laughs> clearly, the only club. So clearly, the only issue is his, is his wages. You would see, and, and it doesn't seem like anybody else is, is sniffing about for him. Uh, it's interesting. It is interesting that just that this, we're not
3: contesting anyone for his signature. That is hmm. interesting, and we'll find out if that is uh, if there's a good reason for that or not. I guess, but you know, on paper, it's just it's got a very interesting pedigree, five years in PSG's junior ranks. Um, not quite broken through to the French team yet, although I think he's played for all, all of the uh, under-17s, upwards under all, the, all those junior ranks. Um, and clearly got you know great experience in the Champions League and, and all those European qualifiers. He's, he's used to a big fixture list he's, and as far as I know, he's not really had many injury troubles. So he should be good to go in in terms of testing himself in the Premier League. I think it could be really interesting and you know you look at some of the, it could be one of those signings like Damaro Gray for Everton that you look at that and how much money he went for and you're thinking why was there not more of a clamour for his his signature and hopefully it'll go that way for us. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, we will see later on. I mean, in typical FYP fashion, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, so I'm going to do two sign-offs. Well, can't wait to see Eduard play for Palace. What a great signing. Well, what a shame it didn't work out, but never mind. I'm sure Palace will do well this season. Uh, In the meantime, uh, you can read uh, more from Matt and Dom, of course, at The Athletic. You go to theathletic.co sorry forward slash FYP uh, you can get 50% off your annual subscription to The Athletic uh,
5: right hey, JD as it's Palace we're talking about do you want to do a third one where <laughs> what a shame where he broke his ankle getting out of the car <laughs> going in to sign his contract
2: <laughs> yeah yes uh, we, we could be here a long time actually doing about 50, 50 different ones shouldn't we but uh, no hopefully it will happen but we will of course uh, see and next week we can talk about it uh, anyway after the break we're going to pick our winners and losers Welcome back to the Public Band podcast. Hey. hey! This is our part we pick our winners and losers. This is for our patrons only. So if you're listening on the public feed, head on over to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast to hear us pick our winners and losers uh, from the weekend football. Um, if you're on that public feed, you will now hear a clip from the post match pod uh, from the weekend with uh, Rob and Selzy and Julian Chenery. Uh, and so we're going
7: to make that split now. <laughs> In terms of the, the the goal, the first goal, Adam, how, how important is it for Palace to have scored that? And, and I know it sounds stupid, but you end up in this situation where the mindset is, we're not scoring, we're not scoring, we're not scoring. and then that, But all it does, all you really need to do is allow the players to, to take those moments. You know, to, to almost to, to put... The, The key thing is getting players in the right positions to to create chances, getting players in the right positions to take them and trusting in that ability to score the goals that we need to. And we did that in the second half, didn't we? I think, first
8: of all, whatever was said at half-time, I think it was clear that the managers got them to relax or to go and express themselves a lot more than than they appeared willing to in the opening 45 minutes. Julian's point about Tariq Mitchell was very fair because he popped up in the final third of the field a hell of a lot more in the second half and that's required, that's what's needed to make a difference because suddenly when you can get that, that extra player on each side in the final third and those bodies are then inside them and Wilfs inside them. You're getting bodies in the box, and that's how you've ended up with Conor Gallagher getting two goals. And it, you know, that's not a coincidence either. You know, you you you've got um, you've got Conor Gallagher, you know, having our best opportunity last week really in there, and he got in, I think, on a second occasion last week as well. Um, but today he managed to to end up scoring goals and he's going to keep scoring goals if he keeps getting into those into those areas I think your point's also about first of all going on a long run not scoring you know with the intensity of the media and the level of interest you know you don't want to become known as Crystal Palace Neil and all that sort of stuff and you know it doesn't take a lot for that to start to build does it and then barriers are built and psychological issues come from and lack of confidence comes from from not scoring goals so you know that's a big plus going back to your points about Czech Coyote and Joel Ward and how well he's done and so on it's right but you see that's where Roy Hodgson in that sense was smart because he doesn't ask them to do things that they're they're not capable of doing where now we actually are. Now I'm not saying to you the manager's not smart what he's trying to do is change the direction of and the playing style and all that kind of stuff but they may end up being casualties longer term if they can't adapt and adjust and you know that's not easy but it is all about playing to your strengths but you know if we can increase the personnel and get the get the players at the level that, that we need to to play this way there's nothing wrong with playing this way Do you know it's just but it is a it is a big change in terms of you know to some players I mean others like MacArthur he has absolutely no problem receiving the ball under pressure and dealing with it and so on and, and others will make a success of it and make the transition very easily but um it's, it's all about transition and change, really.
7: We we should mention James MacArthur because I thought in the second half, again, that we, we, we're going to talk about the second half a lot because I think that was where Palace's game plan changed completely, or the mindset and the attitude. Um, James MacArthur basically became the player that broke the press. He, I think, he set up the he set up Wolf on both occasions for the crosses that then came in. The first one. That ended up with Benteke nodding it down to Gallagher who then scored, and the second one, which then Conor Gallagher brilliantly controlled and scored from. MacArthur's one of those players that people kind of underestimate him because they think that he's like a just one of those hard working midfield terriers. But actually he's a supremely good technical player, isn't he, Adam?
8: I think I said to you the other day, I think pound for pound Palace's best signing in the Premier League era. I mean, Wilfred, obviously, for a few million back, has been incredible but from Manchester United. But James McArthur from Wigan, when we signed him for five million, yeah. I don't think anybody anticipated we'd have had the value that we have out of him. When did he come? 14, was it, when Warnock was just taking over? So so that's now seven years, is it, that we've had him. This is he, He's played, this is his eighth season... And I um, think he's been a spectacular servant, full stop, but I think he's actually quite underestimated because his quality is is very, very good. Very good.
7: It's, um,
3: it's it, very quickly- all I, all I wanted to say that I'm just so pleased he's captain at the moment. I think the example he sets in his, his senior pro uh, intensity and, and, and when he was not playing and, and what he was giving from the stands, I think it just sums the guy up. What a signing, what a guy.
2: Welcome back to the five year plan podcast. Three. It's part four. It's time for questions. No part five this week, obviously, because uh, there's no palace game. It is the uh, international break. Although Steph did just point out she's going to the, uh, to Sutton tonight for the Papa John trophy. It's the game they all want to go to the glamorous one.
4: Do you know, I can walk to it. That's the attraction to me. It's like Palace are playing at a ground that I can walk to. So I feel like was, I'm obliged to go. <laughs>
2: Um, if they could, yeah, if they could somehow draw Chesham United in one of these rounds somehow, that'd be great. Away, I would uh, I go to that. But See,
4: there you go. I'll send you live <laughs> updates, Jim.
5: <laughs> Please it's, do. A, it's a big game for Sutton. It's a sellout. It's a yeah, yes.
2: it's been really good,
5: actually. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's harder to get tickets for, for
2: tonight than it was for West Ham. <laughs> oh, they are a league team now, aren't they, as well? Yeah, okay. so, yeah fair very yeah so. um, Yeah.
5: Have you not been reading The Athletic lately? I have, just you not have all of it. That. It's very
2: extensive. <laughs> it's very extensive. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, had, Adam takes of me for not following any football under the Premier League, so I started at the start of the season to try and watch uh, EFL on Quest and catch up with that. The show is about four hours long. It's oh, so yeah. difficult. I have to like, break it over a few days, and I've given up already, so sorry, sir. Yeah, I did try. Um, anyway, let's read some questions uh, to round off this week's pod. Um I Matthews. Hi, mate. Hi, hi. Dominic, hi, hi Dominic D0502. Hi, Dominic. Ian Matthews hi, Ian. and Tony Dobson have all hi, said basically the exact same thing, and that is have we turned the corner?
5: <laughs> ah, very good. That's the pun of the week.
2: Although Tony Dobson's not quite great, but has Conor Gallagher's turn helped us turn the corner? M- missed a mm, opportunity there, yes, Tony, but yes. never mind. Fair play. Thank you very much. Good to see that our listeners are, uh, are switched on. Um, uh, John Curran, friend of the podcast, Dr. John Curran, to give him his full title, has said, did John Texter, our new investor, do the hologram, the ho- the hologram of Tupac on
5: stage of Snoop? Uh, what's this a reference to? uh well john texter made his initial fortune in the hologram industry right in silicon valley he spotted uh, uh, a gap in the market which he filled with holograms basically.
2: fair enough <laughs> uh-huh. well john has added on the end of that if texter could bring back one palace legend from the past as a real life hologram i'm guessing in game who would it be he would go for rudy hedman or brolin kevin who would be yours be
5: that's each of text texted that, shouldn't they? Shouldn't be. That's just J C, who we love to bits, proving his musical credentials, plus his old palace credentials, and the fact he knows how John Texter made his money. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one, of, it's one of those old. Well, cauliflower or broccoli. I don't know. Really oh, happens, we know, you, know who yours is.
2: We know who yours is. Obviously,
5: it should be Jerry Murphy. The hologram, yeah. But Jerry, it, it'd be like one of those old holograms and Star Trek would be flickering around the edges because <laughs> he's had to come from so far back. It <laughs> looked you know, look confused enough as it is in real life, Jerry, about coming back as a, as a hologram.
2: <laughs> hey, Kevin, this could be the future of football. We don't know. It could be onto something. Steph, who would your hologram? Yeah.
5: I'd, get, I'd get a hologram of James Endicott.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think I'd go for... Um,
4: yeah, I, I think we need to see Leif Anderson again, actually. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my abiding memory of Leif Anderson Is seeing him at Birmingham City away At the start of the season When he was chasing a ball back towards our goal And he looked like somebody Running for a bus Carrying two heavy bags of shopping <laughs> And him carrying on beyond the goal And going over the advertising boards Behind the goal Because he couldn't stop himself And and just to see that again I'd buy a ticket for that I think he got hammered that day But never mind
2: <laughs> If we could just get the hologram Just doing that on loop The corner of the pitch That
4: would That'd be That work uh...
3: for me All day long <laughs> uh, Jesse, who would you go for? I think this should be a permanent hologram of David Nugent in the Sainsbury's car park. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a tourist attraction.
2: (laughs) That would be fantastic. Amazing. I, I, (laughs) uh, I don't know who I'd go for. Maybe I'd just go for a hologram of Kayla just above just above sellers no, all, all year no, round no. <laughs> um, no. that's rubbish isn't it um, anyway let's move on to another question oh actually I, ne- I nearly mentioned this in the last part and I forgot we talk talking about Wardy um, Patrick McGill hi Patrick says how valuable have Joel Ward's goal line clearances been to Palace of course did make a f- a, a very important goal line clearance at the weekend I can't remember what the score was Nil
5: nil. Uh,
2: was, sure was it, it at nil nil? yeah um, it
5: was Anderson misheader Gaita came out and Anderson headed it behind him Hmm. and Wardy cleared it off the line.
2: Yeah, it's very important. Uh, Patrick says, um, some say he's lost a yard of pace but his brain's still as sharp as ever. Um, which I think that's actually probably quite a fair review, actually, probably of, of Wardy at the moment. Just thought I'd mention that because I know we were talking about him in part three. Um, Mark Club, 86. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. I think I went on a night out there once. Um, says, um, best midfield three. Go, Kevin. Uh, well, do you know what? It's, it's
5: interesting that we've actually got a... Three to a choice because it would have been it would have answered itself that question for a couple of seasons. I I I think Will Hughes will start. I think I think Hughes Gallagher. I don't know. In the absence of Luca, I'd be happy with Hughes Gallagher and MacArthur for the next game. Uh, Hughes. We talked in the last poll about not always buying potential, and in Will Hughes, we've got we've bought a player who's an established. Premier League midfield player. He's still relatively young, a lot of energy. So I was really happy with that signing, and I think he'll he'll start. But we've got yeah, we've got options for the first time in a long time. We've got really good options, and that's without elite you know Lise and and uh, Eze coming back as well. So Luca to yeah. come back. Yeah, uh, uh, it wouldn't involve Kiyati, the best one. I think. I think is going to be a really good, versatile squad player if if he stays for the rest of today, both at the centre-back and in midfield. I think Riedervald is another one a really good, versatile midfield squad option. So long may that continue. It's brilliant to have some choice. We may even see different midfields compete depending on the opposition we're playing. How good would that yeah. be? Yes, yeah, um, almost uncharted territory. It does actually;
2: it will make the bench start to look a bit, uh, a mm. bit, bit more interesting as well, or certainly different from the start of the season when we had four kids on there. So I think that is definitely helpful. And in fact, if you, there was a few tweets from Watford fans going around as well, and most of the vibe seemed to be, well, we weren't going to play him, but please not go to Palace. So yeah. I think they are probably a little bit disappointed that we have got clearly quite a useful player. Um, Steph, who would your midfield three be?
4: Oh, so I th- I feel like I've got to offer some sort of vindication for my midfield three before I say them. So, OK, okay so I'm going to say who they are. So it would be Gallagher, MacArthur, and Coyote. And here's why. Oh, OK, no, here's why. <laughs> um, I listened to Martin Keown the other week talking about when he was playing Arsenal uh, with Vieira in front of them and how so much of Vieira's role meant that they very rarely had to head the ball because that he would often play just in front of them and win lots of those balls that even if it came off at a bit of an angle, they were just left to attack the second ball and actually made the job really easy for them as the centre-backs to be able to kind of play and look up when they were playing. And I, th- I can see that no, hearing that and then looking at how he's getting Koyate to play, that's part of his role clearly, mm. is to kind of be that sort of shield just in front of the two centre-backs because Gai is not the tallest and so I feel that he's actually more important than we realise and we need him to get good at playing that role because mm. uh, that's going to free up Gallagher MacArthur, and the others to sort of play a bit more progressively, so that's why he's in there But he needs to be able to deliver. And if he isn't, then obviously, as Kevin said, there's a load of people that will replace him now, which is great.
2: That's really interesting to hear that. And actually, that is. I think the problem with what people have with Keate is uh, that... in terms of skills on the ball and maybe carrying it, releasing it is quite limited. But actually, if you are asking him just to break up play and to win those balls, that is stuff he can do. He's very tall, you know. And also, you never with Kiata, you never get the sense you're getting less than hundred percent from him. It might it might not use the ball well. It might have a, an off game where he's uh, a half a half a yard off the pace. But he never sort of downs tools. And I'd imagine for a new manager, that's it's good to have someone new, you know you can rely on, even if they're not yeah. maybe the whole package. Um, but that is very interesting to hear. Um, Will Kiata make? Get into your best field midfield three, Jesse.
3: I think both of those options are, are great for depending on who we're playing. I think Kiate looked strong against West Ham. He had his moments, but he just he did look quite nice and physical, which is breaking up play, which is what you need and then to give it to an outlet. So I think for the more physical teams, I would go with Kiate as well as Gallagher and MacArthur. Uh, but when Kev said Hughes, Gallagher, MacArthur, the first. Thought that came to mind was that oh, that would be a busy midfield, like that would be a really buzzing, busy midfield against the right teams. I think that that could really work, but maybe they're lacking a little bit in physical strength and height. So, I get, yeah, I guess that might be the interchange there. I think Reader is sadly a backup player, squad player, based on these great options we've got now. Um, and then Luca remains to be seen. How he sort of responds to quite a fair bit of time out. So let's, let's let's see. Great to have those competition places. We just need to mirror that in the attack, as, as we've mentioned earlier.
2: Indeed, yeah. It's, it's as Kevin said earlier. Nice to be talking about these these different options as well. It doesn't feel like something we've done for a while. And as Celsi made a point on one of the post match pods, which is when you go out th- throughout the season, you're always going to get periods of people being injured. You're never going to have all twenty five available. So to be able to have these options for when. MacArthur picks up an injury and we know MacArthur can't do every game all the time or if Gallagher picks up an injury I think the fact that we are now having options I do agree with the point going forward there needs to be more of that replicated but we will see what happens today there's 10 hours left I can't do maths 9 hours left
5: but we'll see well the big question is who's going to mark Ronaldo (laughs) don't know Gerhi I reckon Maybe, maybe. I think it's brilliant. Ronaldo's back in English football. That'll be it's gonna be a it guarantee a sellout at every Man United away game
2: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see yeah. him. See how he I, does.
5: I can't wait to see him at Sellers Park, isn't he brilliant?
2: Uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be very weird. I don't think I did I watch a Man United game when he was I can't even remember. We only played him once or twice, didn't we? Two thousand and four, mm. maybe two thousand and five? Yeah. I think once or twice. Yeah anyway we'll we'll see i didn't think we'd end up talking about ronaldo at the end of this podcast but there you go that's the the beauty of this pod that guys that's taking us to the end end of the podcast um steph thank you so much for joining us this week been an absolute pleasure having you on and i hope that you'll come and join us again at some point
4: anytime really enjoyed it it's been good
2: really good fantastic thank you so much thank you uh jesse good to see you mate
3: likewise great to be here always an honor
2: oh love that and of course uh yeah keep an eye out for that Fanzine, the FYP, one more point crossover fanzine on the eleventh of September. Keep an eye on our socials for front cover when that's released, and 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 all the other details as well. Um, and Kevin, just thank you for being you.
5: But too well printed modern fanzines. <laughs> I, I like the old one. We just had a hundred photocopies and you could barely read it. The proper fanzines in my day. Pages all these, are falling out. All these glossy photographs and things. We had blokes drawing cartoons as you bought it.
2: Well, I think Chris is trying to bring back a bit of that 90s stick and print vibe as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how that turns out. It's going to be a bit of a mix of the old and new as well. So I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic. Um, But anyway, in the meantime, uh, do turn up to our Patreon if you want to hear more content at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and do go to theathletic.com forward slash FYP to get 50% off your subscription to The Athletic. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your international break and uh, we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.
9: When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, Or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But Executive Chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at OrlandoForBusiness.com.
0: Podcast Network.